We're talking today on FoxCast with partner Aparna Nemlikar in Pittsburgh. Our topic, patent eligibility in the life sciences. Aparna is a registered patent attorney with more than a decade of experience as both inside and outside counsel. She provides strategic counseling on creation and management of robust, value-driven intellectual property portfolios. Trained in microbiology and human genetics, Aparna assists clients in the pharmaceutical, biologic, nutraceutical, cosmetic, medical device, and other health and life sciences fields. Aparna, good morning. Good morning. Aparna, you recently were a panelist on a national webinar hosted by LexisNexis and IP Watchdog on your topic of patent eligibility in the life sciences. Yes, I was one of four speakers, and the webinar drew an audience of about 900 attendees. It was exciting. Impressive. Uh, Aparna, your remarks focused, as I understand, on the element of patent eligibility or whether a life sciences invention is suitable or qualified to be considered for a U.S. patent. Yes. First up was a look at what's called patent ineligibility. When you're contemplating pursuing a patent or when drafting a patent application in the life sciences, you have to ask the question of whether the patent's claims, which define the meets and bounds of what you can enforce against third parties, are directed to laws of nature, natural phenomena, or abstract ideas. These are considered judicial exceptions or judge-made carve-outs of patentable uh, subject matter and are not eligible for a patent. Hmm. So if the answer is no, the invention is patent eligible. But if, on the other hand, the answer is yes, as in it is directed to a law of nature, abstract idea, or natural phenomena, you have to move on to a more creative approach. Aparna, and then there's an inventive concept to uh, consider, right? Exactly. So if the, if the claims fall within one of the judicial exceptions, you have to ask whether the claim's additional elements, individually or as an ordered combination, transform the nature of the claim to a patent-eligible application of the judicial exception. Here you have to identify non-judicial exception elements of the claim and how they transform the claim beyond a patent-ineligible concept to an inventive one. Parna, could you give our listeners some real-world examples? Yeah, sure. Um, so, for example, the, the Federal Circuit, in the case of Vanda v. Westford, um, held method of treatment claims to be patent-eligible. So Vanta's patent involved a method of treating schizophrenia, among other mental disorders. The method comprised th these steps. So first, uh, determining if the patient is a poor metabolizer of a certain drug, uh, the drug was iloperidone, by performing a genotyping assay on a biological sample from the patient to determine if they have the genes for the metabolizing enzyme. Patients that are poor metabolizers are at a um, higher risk for an abnormal heartbeat when treated with, with the drug. Then, if the patient has the genotype indicating that they would be a poor metabolizer of the drug, the claims require internally administering a lesser amount of the drug to the patient. And if the patient did not have the genotype, the drug would be administered in a greater amount. Aparna, why was this thus considered eligible? The treatment method was ruled eligible because the claims went beyond just associating the enzyme with the side effects related to the administration of the drug, so a law, which would be a law of nature. Hmm. 
So it, it claimed an action plan based on the results of the determination based on the law of nature. In other words, the claims were directed to a specific method of administration to specific patient groups using a specific compound in a specific dosage range. Hmm. So the court determined that this claim went beyond a judicial exception, and so it passed the first step of the patent eligibility test. Uh, so, uh, partner, could you cite uh, an ineligible example? Sure. Um, so the Supreme Court held the patent claims in Mayo v. Prometheus to be ineligible. Prometheus's patent focused on a method of optimizing therapeutic e efficacy for treatment of an immune-mediated gastrointestinal disorder. Because patients metabolize the uh, drugs for this order differently, doctors have found it hard to determine whether a particular patient's dose is too high, risking harmful side effects, or too low, making it ineffective. So the claim focused on administering a drug providing 6-thioguanine and determining whether to increase or decrease the dosage level of the drug based on measurement of levels of the drug's metabolite. So again, similarly to Vanda, we are talking about correlating a, an individual's ability to metabolize a drug with the proper dosage for that individual. Hmm. So why then, Aparna, was this method considered ineligible? So the method was considered uh, ineligible because the court felt that the, the claims in Mayo merely recited a natural relationship between the individual's ability to metabolize a drug with the right dosage to administer without providing any specific as to how much to increase or decrease the dosage. There were no additional details or elements that transformed the claim beyond the law of nature into an inventive concept. On the other hand, the court in Vanda found that the Vanda's patent, the Vanda patent's recitation of the specific um, dosages and the, the specifications explanation of the significance of those specific dosages distinguished that case from Mayo. So Aparna, as you look at these cases, what are the three key takeaways that the life sciences community really needs to know? So generally, when submitting a patent application, uh, you'll need to avoid describing techniques as like routine or conventional. That's just a non-starter. I mean, mm. your patent claims should include specific te technical advances over the prior art, not just a description of the judicial ex exception or well-known um, routine and conventional techniques. So make sure, uh, the next thing is to make sure that the patent examiner uh, meets his or her burden on issues of fact when asserting a case, uh, a rejection based on patent ineligibility. So the, the one thing to note is that the U.S. Um, patent Office is gearing up to provide some additional guidance on patent eligibility. So you'll, if you do come across a, a rejection based on patent eligibility, you'll need to find a, wor a way to work the case law and the patent office guidance to navigate patent eligibility issues. Hmm. And it always helps to add enough details and examples into uh, the application to create room to argue for that inventive concept. Hmm. So Aparna, what about claiming methods of diagnosis? Uh, diagnostics, uh, uh, diagnostics are usually found to be patent ineligible as being directed to laws of nature. 
When applying for a diagnostics patent, I think the key is to go beyond the observation of natural phenomenon or well-observed routine conventional activity. You'll need to focus on novel techniques um, or, or describe uh, treatments as being based on each outcome of a diagnostic test. Uh, you can show how the diagnostic improves or isolates a subset of the natural phenomena, or, or you could show that the uh, method of preparation involves non-naturally occurring or man-made materials. Um, these are all examples uh, a good patent attorney would know to uh, look for ways to claim these uh, diagnostic methods. Hmm. Uh, so, Parna, what are critical items to know about the methods of treatment? So generally, methods of treatment are found to be patent eligible. However, patent applications should avoid non-specific outcome-oriented or functional-oriented uh, claims, as in, as in Mayo. Um, be specific as to method of administration, patient groups, compound or treatment, dosage ranges, and, and dosing regimen. Uh, and or outcomes. The, the more specific a claim can be, um, the more likely it'll be found to be patent eligible. Finally, Aparna, uh, would you please update our listeners on the Patent Office's new initiative uh, known as the Deferred Subject Matter Eligibility Response Pilot Program? A mouthful. Sure. Yeah, this is a new pilot program which started on February 1st, 2022. It allows an applicant to delay responding to one or more subject matter eligibility rejections until the earlier of the, the final disposition of the application or the withdrawal or obviation of all other non-subject matter eligibility rejections, such as lack of novelty, obviousness, written description, or enablement rejections. Hmm. So participation in this program is by invitation, invitation only at this time, but... Um, and, and only if the patent application meets uh, four criteria. So first, the, the application has to be an original, um, non-provisional utility application or a national stage of an international application. The next uh, requirement is that the application does not claim the benefit of the earlier filing date of any prior non-provisional application. Third, uh, the application has not been advanced out of turn or accorded special status. And last, the, the, the first office action on the merits makes both subject matter eligibility and non-subject matter eligibility rejections. So even with the uh, subject matter eligibility issues deferred, the examiner will still consider uh, whether the applicant's response to the other rejections will overcome the subject matter eligibility rejections. This may help applicants keep the file history clean as to subject matter eligibility issues and save some time and cost. Well, unfortunately, uh, Aparna, we are about out of time for today. There's just so much more we could cover. Aparna, thank you for your time and insights today. Listeners, to confidentially discuss the patent eligibility of your life sciences invention or to receive a copy of her recent webinar PowerPoint, please contact Aparna Nemlikar at 412-391-6423 or by email at anemlikar at foxrothschild, that's A-N-E-M-L-E-K-A-R at foxrothschild.com. Fox Rothschild LLP is a national law firm with 950 attorneys in 28 offices coast to coast. Visit us on the web at 
at www.foxrothschild.com.